I'm Kate Daniels. Music therapy is both new and not so new. You'll hear more detail about that and the way music therapy is being used with infants, youth, and young adults at Children's Hospital here in the Puget Sound. We're going to meet the three music therapists, David Knott, Betsy Hartman, and Evelyn Pinder in an appropriate way for musicians, musically and creatively. Good morning to all. So once again, a great good morning. And that musical introduction interlude was the benefit from all of our musically talented guests. And me too. (laughs) (laughs) I need to point out that if you heard the sound of that interesting, different sound, that was the Bebot. The Bebot, that's my first introduction this morning. So maybe we'll have David Knott give us a little bit more information about what the Bebot is, and then we'll launch into more discussion about music therapy. (laughs) Thank you, Kate. The Bebot is a generative music app on the iPad, and we're really fortunate to have uh, iPads at the hospital for all the kids to be able to use through the Bungie Foundation, which enables us to be able to use them in our music therapy sessions. So the Bebot is a little touch synthesizer that you can program and change the note choices and things like that. And David, you were on the ukulele. Yes. And on that beautiful harp that we heard in the background, we have with us Betsy Hartman, and that harps are always such soothing, beautiful sounds. So thank you both. And of course, with us this morning, we have Evelyn Pinder. And Evelyn, you were here just to give us support at this time, but you're also, of course, a music therapist. That's right. Yeah, playing the egg shaker here. Yeah, oh! <laughs> Snuck in yes. the background there. You know, I, I did actually hear that sound. So I hope that as you were listening, you heard the egg shaker right. as well. So that that that's, was... That's a, that's a skill of music therapist to be facilitating without people even knowing it. (laughs) So true. (laughs) There's so much subtlety that goes on with something that is so critically important Mm -hmm. and somewhat new, although music, of course, has been with us since forever, hasn't it? Well, there's (laughs) accounts of uh, music being used for healing as far back as the earliest written history, but music therapy as a professional organization Mm -hmm got really established in 1950 in this country, and it was founded more or less after work with soldiers returning from World War One and World War II, uh, using music to help them deal with what they called shell shock, what now we would call post-traumatic stress disorder. So here we had those roots, and of course, today we can still be using it in those venues. But the three of you are here with us because you work at Seattle Children's Hospital, so you're dealing with a very young population, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Well, we even work with semi-older um, patients as well, 26, 27 even, mm-hmm. but primarily younger. Yeah, and- newborn through young adult is kind of the population we serve at Seattle Children's. So it's interesting because music therapy as a whole works with like, all types of populations. So starting in the NICU all the way through like hospice, end of life, and older adults. So music therapy, like zooming out of the profession is really pretty broad. 
And then zooming into what we do, medical music therapy is kind of like a subpopulation. And then pediatric medical music therapy, even, you know, a subpopulation of that. But it's interesting because the population is still, you know, pretty broad. You've touched on then, you know, really all generations. But here when we're discussing your work at Seattle Children's, one of the areas that you are working in is with palliative care. So tell us a little bit about what that means. So uh, palliative care is really working with folks when, when they're struggling with pain that's difficult to treat, sometimes when the treatments are not working anymore. What can we do to help provide comfort for them, uh, to help improve their quality of life when there's really no more treatment available? And sadly, we're talking about young children, mm-hmm. teenagers, and mm-hmm. young adults. It's hard to feel that, but of course, that's all part of life. So to make mm-hmm. them more comfortable, what takes place at that point to bring music therapy to them mm-hmm. and, and its use? Well, I can talk about some of the work that I use and do often a lot at the hospital, especially um, with the harp. Um, a lot of times in those end stages, you can find kids who are in a lot of pain and discomfort. Maybe their ability to be present is less because they're, they're just not able to be present in, in their space anymore. They're kind of in that transition stage. So music has the ability, it can, it can be receptive to you and kind of be present in the room with the music. Um, and so oftentimes in that type of setting, we may come in and um, use music as an environmental sound, you know, having it present in the room where family can listen to it, family can engage in it, but it also gives them a chance to just be quiet. They don't have to talk because the music is there filling the space. Similarly, if patients are able to be more present, music can be very supportive to help reduce maybe some of that pain that they might be feeling. Um, Using music to help calm through breathing, using music to help maybe lower the heart rate, just simply by playing maybe even something similar to what we heard this morning with our little trio. And just to add to that, I think that's one of the unique things that music therapy provides at the hospital. So where a lot of adjunct services, you know, when a kid is facing, you know, end of life, which like you mentioned is like, you know, truly tragic. I think that's an opportunity when music therapy just reassesses and just provides a different goal at that time. So before that point, I might be working with a kid to, you know, do some like physical rehab to get them up and moving, get them walking. And then once a kid is facing end of life, I just shift my assessment. It's more focused on the family and bringing something positive and something familiar at a time that's, you know, really tragic and truly devastating. And I think that's really kind of a special thing that music therapy can provide. I don't think many other services can. And does a story come to mind just of a situation of having that happen where you've seen the effect on the child, the patient, and the family? Yeah, I mean, I can I can tell a story. So a kid on the cancer care unit came for a bone marrow transplant, and um, I'd worked with this kid for about six months. He was very musically inclined. We did some ukulele playing, like David was playing earlier, and some drumming. And unfortunately, was facing end of life, sort of at the end of a very, very long road. And so I was able to go in at this point and be present for the mother who I'd had, you know, a great relationship with and just provide. Um, at that time, the kid, you know, was not able to, to move. He was not awake. And so just to be able to provide that support and some like a familiar, play his familiar songs with the mom at bedside and just give her some kind of last positive memories of interacting with her kid. And that's it's hard, you know, obviously, but it's so special at the same time mm-hmm. to be able to feel like you know, what I did was meaningful for the family and for the mother especially. 
Yes. And knowing what we know about the subconscious mm-hmm. mind, mm-hmm. even the young person who seems to not be consciously present, somehow we know that he yeah. or she, in the, whatever the sure, case sure. may be, is being touched and, and has some sort of healing effect within mm-hmm. them. Correct? Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. We think that the hearing is the last sense that we lose uh, when mm-hmm. we're dying. But what Evelyn and Betsy were talking about really um, brings up to me how music therapy is essentially an individualized therapy. So we really, even though we have a kind of uh, a lot of interventions that we can deploy, we really find out based on interactions with that patient, with the family, what they really respond to and what's meaningful to them. So sometimes the arc of our sessions may be focused on those functional goal-oriented outcomes where we're trying to help them improve their functioning and get better in some way. Um, But even when goals shift and if they're not able to survive their condition, we can still have things that we can do with them, whether it's providing that holding space where they can have meaningful interactions through the music, through the trust that we built with them with the music, sometimes providing legacy projects for them. So recordings of heartbeats, heartbeats with music uh, mixed in. And sometimes kids are, you know, these musically inclined kiddos that Evelyn referenced, you know, sometimes that takes uh, lots of different forms. Sometimes musical inclination can be a kid that doesn't necessarily technically know how to play an instrument, but they're really engaged by music. And so we can do things with them, whether it's the Bebot or other apps where they can create their own pieces. And these create really beautiful mementos that families often uh, really treasure. But other kiddos have, you know, they've spent some time working on it and they use the music as a real opportunity to express things, whether non-verbally or actually verbally, where you can you can understand what they're talking about. So I have a little example that I can play for you of a, a kiddo that was quite into music and she was a rapper in addition to being a quite <laughs> skilled uh, artist. So here's one of her raps and this, you hear my imitation beatboxing in there as well. Um, <laughs> I think you could hear in there how mm-hmm. she's really articulating, you know, rhyming helps me cope when I'm being poked with a needle from chemo therapy. You know, mm-hmm. she's using that music, the rhyme and the timing Hello. of it, the rhythm to basically express these things that she's going through. It is just unbelievably touching mm. the honesty, a child having to face all this treatment, but Ultimately, perhaps it not being successful, facing her death, and the way 
yes, it, it comes clear that she can articulate it. Obviously, bringing it out of herself, you know, alleviates a bunch of stress, I think, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Such a healing part of it. Oh, my goodness. And the talent. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I, I, I want her to be healed, and she has come yeah. to <laughs> right. be this great musical artist. Yeah. But in the meantime, though, that mm-hmm. really gives us, thank you, David, mm-hmm. for sharing that. It gives us that example of what goes on with music therapy. Mm-hmm. The introduction, so stepping back to when she or any of the young patients come to the hospital, how is music therapy introduced to them? I can speak to that. That's a great question. We, unfortunately, are not able to meet every single patient in the hospital. How many beds do we have? Three, 70? I don't even know the number. Yeah. We have a lot of beds and there's only three of us. And ideally, we would love to meet every patient. Not every patient needs to see us, but um, typically uh, we get referrals for patients. So anyone will make a referral, child life specialists, nurses, doctors, our rehab teams, you know, occupational therapy, physical therapy, sometimes even the service will be self-referred by patients or family members who are interested in just kind of knowing who are those people walking around with all those instruments? <laughs> what do they do? So a referral is made um, usually for a need. Maybe the patient is in pain like we've talked about. The patient could be anxious just from being in a new, unfamiliar, probably scary environment. The patient could need support with some of their rehab goals, motivation to move. There's a variety of other things. And the referral is made to us and say, hey, can you go ahead and meet this patient, assess their needs, and see how music therapy can support them. And then from there, we often go in, meet the families, introduce our service, meet the patient. Depending upon the age, that conversation will change if we're working with an infant or a toddler it might be a little more geared towards the patients. But if the patient's a teenager or older, we're talking to them and we're getting what their needs and what they want and trying to figure out how music therapy can best support them and their therapeutic goals during their hospital stay. Just to add to that, when I get a referral, I like usually based on their age, I'll try and bring an activity that we can engage in right away. So if I'm working with a little kid, I'll bring things like egg shakers and drums when I meet them and, you know, try and guess at some of their favorite music, you know, what just when I first meet them to get them instantly engaged and then kind of assess from there what their preferences is, what their needs are, what their parents might want the goals to be. And for a teenager, I might bring a ukulele or something, you know, hey, we can try this out, you know, see how this goes and just try and get some something engaged in something right away. And then, yeah, the older kids who can, you know, express their preferences a little more explicitly can be a little bit easier. So sometimes I'll meet them and just say, you know, do any of these things sound good to you? Ukulele lessons or songwriting or something like that, and we kind of go from there. Yeah. And so offering them that, do you want to write songs? Mm -hmm. Do you want to play an instrument? Mm -hmm. Is the reaction, because they've kind of sought out music therapy, is Mm -hmm. the reaction like, yeah, I want to do (laughs) blah, blah, blah. Is it? I would actually say I get a variety of responses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes um, they're not interested because they're going through a really hard time. They're meeting new people every single day. And oftentimes the people they've met up to this point might not be bringing the funnest things to them. (laughs) And um, they're exhausted, most likely, emotionally, physically, mentally. And so we're a person that that they can say no to. You can't say no to a doctor all the time, (laughs) most of the time. And oftentimes that can be good. Like we're able to be Mm -hmm. the people that a patient can say, I don't want that right now. And we respect that. 
maybe we'll try again the next day, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we'll respect it. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things we do is, is we try and meet patients where they're at. So if yeah. a kid, you know, is like having a tough time and not really into it, we'll say, OK, how about today we just start with some listening or something easy? You know, you don't mm. really have to actively do anything. And then as much as possible, music therapists are trained to kind of systematically like bump up the engagement throughout the session. So okay. I have a, a little story that might illustrate this. I was asked to see uh, a kiddo on the rehab unit, and I went to visit her. I was actually um, on Wednesday mornings. That team pretty much owns my schedule, and they <laughs> signed me up for co-treats and uh, occupational physical therapy and uh, speech-language therapy, uh, therapeutic recreation. So I go to meet her, and everyone was excited because she had said she liked music. But then as soon as she met me, she kind of turned her kind of a little frown, and she wouldn't really make very much eye contact. and. She just, I don't think she really liked me, but, you know, that just happens, right? Um, Well, we kind of got through that session, and then a week later, the physical therapist signed me up for a session with her because she was having a tough time organizing her walking movements. And this is one of the gray areas in music therapy where we have really a lot of research behind how music can organize our motor movements, and specifically gait movements, right? So... You know, she brings me in to support this session where she's trying to get her walking faster, thinking that the faster walking might help her organize and pick up her feet better and and move more efficiently. But I notice as soon as we start off that as soon as I try to say something or I start to sing a song, she just kind of goes from smiling and looking at other people to like frowning and looking down. (laughs) So I decide I'm going to take my iPad and I get a rhythm program going with a a beat that is matching her what they call resonant step frequency. So that's like the natural pattern that she's walking at. And then without either the physical therapist or her knowing, every few minutes I would increase the tempo just a little bit. So she started out at 50 beats per minute. By the time we got halfway through the session and she took a a break sitting down on the sofa, she was walking at 65 beats per minute (laughs) and she was picking up her feet better. She was having these conversations with the physical therapist. So even though I wasn't able to do the kind of things that I normally do using live music that also matches the tempo of their walking and these sorts of things, the music actually can still do that work. You know, sometimes it's reliant on the relationship, but there's something really powerful about what's happening in the music that even when we're not connecting on that kind of human level, the music could still be helping her coordinate her motor system and improve her walking skills. Yes. There's that subconscious part of it acting again and Mm -hmm. and the technology too to acknowledge that you know we're so fortunate Mm -hmm. these days that we have even that additional step Mm -hmm. to include that and make it a little more focused on what is happening absolutely absolutely and you know uh our interventions are based on research so there's a, a really great study that was done almost 20 years ago now Um, by a group at Colorado State, and they were looking at um, finger tapping with a metronome. So they had these typically developing uh, adults listening to a metronome rhythm and tapping their finger with the rhythm. Well, then they were changing that tempo in very small increments, and they had another button that when they thought that they heard the tempo change, they were supposed to push this button. Well, what they found was that People were changing their tapping to match changes in the rhythm, even below the level that they were conscious of it. So we respond to music. We move with music that's often below the level of our ability to even know that we're being affected by it, you know? Yes. 
So this is music therapy that is just so incredibly wonderful. And as you said, though, you're so limited by numbers of persons mm-hmm. that you know, mm-hmm. having more people, of course, then having more people, we get into budgets and all that kind of <laughs> right? <laughs> stuff, right? Well, we are fully funded by philanthropy. Um, so if any listeners are really keen <laughs> to have more music therapy happening at Seattle Children's, you should definitely check with our foundation folks. Yeah. Good job, David. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, do you have a website that people could check that out on? Well, you can go to the Seattle Children's website to learn more about music therapy. We have right. an active page where you can kind of mm-hmm. we have some videos that have been you know filmed in the past that show us working one-on-one with kids. But our foundation controls all that. And so we have community donors, you know, organizations and different companies down to an individual person who has been touched by music therapy who wants to support it. So I'm guaranteed that you can go on Children's and say, how can I support? <laughs> yes. And you'll find something there. That's excellent, Betsy. Yeah. Because I think we can feel already just with the few stories we've been able to impart and, and mm-hmm. listening to the sounds mm-hmm. and the rhythms, mm-hmm. just how deeply meaningful this is, the the healing piece of it. And yes, we need the, the pills and the injections mm-hmm. at some level, but then... There is that piece of music that touches places that medicine can't touch, mm-hmm. right? That's true. And I think that that's part of the challenge of communicating what music therapy is to a lot of people because so much of how you measure it is subjective. Like, I can't tell you how many times I meet a new kid and a parent will tell me, this is the first time I've seen them smile. This is the first time I've seen them playing. This is the first time I've seen them acting like themselves since we've been here. I mean, you guys yep. probably have similar stories. Every day. You know, and that's, you know, that feeling, you know, from coming from a parent is is hard to measure and hard to, like, objectively quantify when we're talking about music therapy. So, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And music therapy also is something that you use with the care providers at the hospital as well, don't you? Is there a way to do that? Well, we call we call that secondary outcomes. So we're often, because of the way we've been trained, we're looking at what our primary outcomes are based on what the goals are for that kiddo and that situation, what their needs are. But we also recognize that music is something that if I'm, you know, if we're just providing music, it's what we call free field. Unless mm-hmm. everybody has headphones on, you're going to hear it. And so people are are affected by that. And we'll often hear from nurses that they appreciate that, you know, we've been able to provide that service uh, at a time that can often be really difficult for them. Um, I had a really funny thing happen uh, the end of last week where I had checked out a ukulele to a kiddo on the intensive care unit. And when I left uh, a different patient room, I heard this ukulele and I heard it sounded like a Johnny Cash song. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I don't think that I taught her a Johnny Cash song. Uh, and then I saw the closer I got that it was a nurse playing it. So I grabbed my ukulele and ran over next to her and we <laughs> kind of finished that song, you know. And it's those little moments that we can have the flexibility to kind of support the needs of the environment. And I think that's really where we're trying our best to bring not only the science of music therapy, but also the art of music therapy into the environment. Exactly. So you just had this impromptu jam session kind of thing going on, right? It didn't take up too much of her time, but just just a, just a couple minutes, just to you know reattenuate everyone's kind of perspective on things, right? You know. But even that, I think, to 
to quantify it, there's no way to really measure it because it's subjective again. Right. Yeah. It would be right? challenging anyways. <laughs> yes. But but the outcomes of as to how her day goes on, and how she feels perhaps mm-hmm. strengthened mm-hmm. to work with other staff, with, with patients too. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. Isn't that so much of what music does? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the core values of, of our hospital is collaboration. And I think we feel like as a team, we've been working on collaboration for a really long time. And we really see it as an essential part of our role there to be literally collaborating, not only with patients and families, but also with the staff, with the team members there. So that's fueled our you know, relationship with the the rehab team with the pain service and then all the way down to the folks in our department, the child life specialists, as well as nurses, social workers, even doctors. It just it reminds me of a story. I was collaborating with um, a physical therapist with a kiddo who was working on walking, just kind of increasing movement. He'd been kind of deconditioned after just you know sitting in his hospital bed for a little bit too long. So we decided to walk. Um, we have a, a rooftop garden on the cancer care unit. So we decided to walk up there and then we had a little ukulele lesson while we were up there. This was a teenage kiddo. And so this kid is, he's walking, he's increasing motivation to walk. He's working on five motor skills by playing the ukulele. Um, we've got some coping skills because he's learning a new skill that he didn't have before. And that's something he can take with him when he goes home and gets out of the hospital. And he actually ended up buying a ukulele for himself to have, you know, after I taught him some things. And then the physical therapist, you know, ended up sending me, sending me an email at the end of that day saying, thank you so much for that. It was just so nice to be, you know, outside in the sunshine, you know, hearing you and this kid playing music together. And so just like, just, it's like so dynamic the way that one music therapy session can affect you know, your patient and just the people around you. Mm-hmm. This is such incredibly important work. It's a lot of fun, but we can feel, I think, how there are so many challenges because of dealing with illness. But knowing that you're bringing some healing is certainly such a big positive part of it, I feel. Mm-hmm. And so we we don't have a lot of time left, but I'm now really curious about each of you and how you came to this field of music therapy. Who wants to go first? (laughs) I'll take it away. I attended Seattle Pacific University, which is a school right here in Seattle, and I was a nursing major. Started taking all my chemistry classes, and it was great, but at the same time, I was a music minor, and I got thrown into an 8 a.m. music theory class, which for a freshman is not ideal time. (laughs) And it was in that class that one of the professors had said, we're thinking about starting a music therapy program, and I'm like, what is music therapy? And so she started telling us, well, music therapists are people who work in medical settings and hospice, end of life, you know, school, et cetera, et cetera. And they use music to support therapeutic goals. And I thought, that's exactly it. Because my plan was to become a nurse and just bring in my instruments to my patients' rooms whenever (laughs) I could. Seeing how nurses work now, that could never happen. (laughs) So I learned about music therapy and I was hooked. That's wonderful. David? I guess I probably am the the most non-traditional student of our bunch. Um, I got to music therapy a little bit later in life uh, from a variety of life experiences. Um, But ultimately, I found that I was wanting to engage audiences in ways that they weren't really necessarily willing to engage. I I would bring homemade instruments to performances and then halfway through try and get people playing with me. Um, And I realized that what I was really tuning into was 
what I saw as the most powerful aspect of music, which is to engage people. And that kind of led me to discover uh, music therapy and um, went back to school. I went to Willamette University in Salem, Oregon, and got my bachelor's in music therapy there. Yeah. Okay, excellent. (laughs) And Evelyn? So I started actually, um, my first degree is in percussion performance, and I was very serious about performing for a long time. I thought for sure I was going to crush it as a solo percussionist (laughs) um, and kind of had some success really early on. But at some point, just kind of thought, just like standing on stage and performing for people, I mean, it felt good, but it, it wasn't meaningful enough at a certain point. And that's when I found music therapy and got a master's in music therapy at Florida State. Yeah, and I guess the rest is history. Yeah, Seattle Children's was kind of like a moonshot for me. I just joined the team like a year ago. I applied and didn't really tell a lot of people. I was like, there's no way. But I mean, it's been like a dream come true. I mean, working with David and Betsy as part of a team of music therapists is pretty unique in the field of music therapy. And so it's amazing. Yeah, it's an awesome team. Awesome. We're part of the child life department. I was just telling someone last week, they were like, how's your new job going? You know, how are you settling in? And I was like, it is awesome. I've got such a supportive supervisor, such supportive coworkers. I get to work as part of a team. What more could you want? It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. And we make music. That's right. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So can we take the instruments and maybe just strum out on? Of course. As we say, play music. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you're going to, I can do some bebop again as we bid our fond farewell. Thank you. 